Never take your ass for granted. I'm Kevin Leeson. The coral reefs, are they nature's glory holes? I'm Ian Boothby. You think the walk of shame is bad? Try it with eight legs. I'm Joe Fulgham. If people get crabs, what do crabs get? I'm Torn Atkinson. Find out the answer to this and many other horrible questions on today's episode of Caustic Soda. It's the Caustic Soda Podcast! Yay! It's time to set the mics up. It's time for Tales of Woe. It's time to take the red pill on the Caustic Soda Show. It's time to do our research, unless your name is Joe. It's time to load the wiki on the Caustic Soda Show. To introduce our guest star, that's what I'm here to do. So it makes me very hungry to introduce to you, Ian Poofby. But now let's get things started. Why don't you get things started? It's time to get things started on the informational, aberrational, strangulational, nauseational, strapped in for the Caustic Soda Show! What kind of noise effect does a follow-up have? <laughs> it'd, it'd be silent like a ninja following you <laughs> <laughs> i like that this is follow-up six caustic soda jerks all right and our special guest we'd like to welcome to the studio ian boothby oh thanks fellers it's nice to be here how you doing could not be better unless it was later in the day then sure. i could be a lot better <laughs> I, uh, i'm with you on that are you a devout follow-upper do you lurk behind people on a constant basis why do we have following you up on things is that called following up i don't think that's called following up i think that's called stalking <laughs> that's no wonder up. you got it so confused that's right those many women and ian you are a writer sure yes you have written according to wikipedia oh, your Jesus. wikipedia page <laughs> Okay, you have written more ahead. Simpsons comics than any other Simpsons writer. Okay, yeah, that's true. All right. That is true. I have done that. And uh, in honor of uh, of you being here today. Uh-oh. Oh, What's going on? His pants are coming his... off. I wore my Krusty the Clown oh, socks. Wow. Nice. On his penis. That is, uh, <laughs> that's an interesting choice. And and you know what? Uh, the name now makes sense to me. <laughs> Krusty. <laughs> Give this... me another condom. <laughs> uh, Mr. Teeny. <laughs> And, uh, All horrible names for your penis. Any Simpsons character is a horrible name for your penis. <laughs> what about Ralph Wiggum? Yes, that's a no. terrible. Ralph Wiggum is what it does when it's happy. <laughs> uh, and you also have your own podcast, that's Sneaky true. Dragon. That's right, Sneaky Dragon. Tell yeah. us about that. Me and my friend Dave Dedrick, uh, we used to do sketch comedy together. Uh, he then got a life for about 30 years. And uh, <laughs> now his daughters seem uh, able to fend for themselves. <laughs> and uh, we do a podcast together where we just uh, we goof around. Excellent. Yeah, it's not like you guys. You guys are organized as hell. Uh, I didn't realize how lazy bastards we were until I saw all the stuff you got. There are more than five wires in this room. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, SneakyDragon.com is our thing if you want to hear our nonsense. I recommend it. I've listened to probably half of the episodes. Oh, bless your heart. Mm. Me too. The good ones. <laughs> <laughs> the good ones. All right, sure. The ones that you tagged, good episode. 
Oh, yeah. Did you tag any good episodes? No, I don't even know that's a thing. <laughs> well, somebody's up there tagging good episodes. I don't even know I'll what tagging means. What do you mean? <laughs> I, I just know that in a sexual sense. What's it mean in podcast form to tag something? Do we tag each other when this is going on, Well, guys? we do have the Caustic Soda Invitational tag uh, game that uh, we're uh, planning. Okay, I just don't want anything to get crusty. <laughs> Confirmed. As soon as we have a good episode, we'll tag it good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't have good episodes because it's caustic soda. Exactly. Nothing of our content is good, except for maybe the uh, the bunny the bunny episode. The bunny episode. <laughs> when are we doing the bunny? Is you know we recorded it and I think it's solid. Well, we had the in the hoaxes episode all those bunnies coming out of that lady's vagina. That was that, that was, was good. True. Yeah. Was, it, was, was she a ma- was she a magician? <laughs> yeah, uh, a magician of lying. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, let's get into it then, shall we? Absolutely. Right. Damn so right. Starting from the top, our very first episode. Shark attacks. Yeah, not so much uh, attacks, but it's shark-related, so I'm not going to wait for us to have the non-shark yeah, shark attack. just weird sharks yeah, episode. Weird sharks episode. Uh, this was uh, October of last year, 2011. They found a... It's not just an albino shark. It's a cyclopean albino shark. It's an albino shark with one eye right in the middle of that its head. That seems like something that's against the laws of nature. Well, nature's pretty changeable, so... <laughs> Malleable. Yeah. This one was sliced from the belly of its pregnant mama dusky shark, which was caught by a commercial fisherman in uh, in the Gulf of California earlier this well, summer. Well, maybe the second eye hadn't popped yet. That's, maybe it was just... It's like a flounder kind of a thing? Yeah, yeah, you know, just right before Somewhere birth. else on the other side of its body waiting to turn around? Yeah, and precisely. Get, and fall into position? Yeah. Well, what good does another eye do you as a fish anyway? I mean, I think this fish, like, it can see what's directly ahead of it, and nothing can, like, come directly and eat it. And that's how you get eaten. You don't get eaten from the side oh, as a fish. You only get eaten from the front. You do. That's, if you ever see, like, fish, that's like, true. eating fish, it's always behind or in front. It's because of the direction of the scales. That's correct. That's, that's how nature works. No, it seems like, you know, this fish This fish is the next step in evolution. It sees what's ahead of it. What good is both sides? That does you no good. It's, You're going forward. That's just right. wasted energy. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, there's a reason humans have, like, taken over. That's because our eyes are on the front of our friggin' heads. That's right. I totally agree with that. And, you know, I would like to not have two eyes now. <laughs> but are we sure so, that this is a, a, an, an eye and not some kind of other weird sensory organ? Oh, are you I, thinking that's its ass? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> well, if you wait I do long a lot of sensing with my ass. Well, but. yeah, you just wait long enough to see if poo comes out of it, I <laughs> yeah. suppose. It's got some kind of shit sonar. Because I don't see like an <laughs> shit eye. sonar? <laughs> it shoots oh. out shit waves. They bounce, off, they bounce off and Does come back. Does the Canadian Navy still have shit sonar? <laughs> it's all we could afford. I totally want to poop out of my eyeballs now. I want sonar. You send me an email when that happens. (laughs) But don't call me or invite me over. (laughs) Because it kind of seems like it's just a hole. I don't see like an iris or or a pupil or anything like that. Yeah, that is a good point. Out here. It is fetal, and who knows, it might be malformed and it wouldn't have worked. It's it's quite obviously dead, so they must have they killed the mother and then cut this out and, and found it. And the other question I has have is was the mother albino? It didn't like, say. Albino is not like a Genetic term for the species, it's an albino Correct. individual. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that's right. What a freak of nature. So this fish would have got made fun of, first of all, for being an albino. Yeah. Then second day... <laughs> have to wear those super thick glasses on its one eye. But yeah, to be so fair... It's a monocle. But would then you, it would be Yeah, a monocle. Well, then he's creepy looking. He looks like a German. <laughs> and I was like, oh, geez, that guy's freaking us out. He should get a little top hat and coat and tails. So clearly we'll put a, this photo on com for all of you, too. It kind of looks Marvel adorable. Hat. Like in this one shot where they're holding open its mouth, it's kind of <laughs> like going, look at me! Feed me, Seymour! <laughs> 
Yeah, that'd be a good Jeff Dunham ventriloquist puppet if he just gutted it <laughs> yeah. to oh, the other end. But then what racial what racial minority is it? It's whitey. That's all, it's it's whitey. It's, it's albino. Right. Then you put the monocle on, and he's a white supremacist. That's exactly. Right. That's right. And a shark. What's up with this 1%? Can't they just buy more money? <laughs> Is that what white supremacists do? Well, I'm, I was saying it's like the the rich white. Oh, the rich thing. white shark. Yes, that's true. I, I'm 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 yes. behind you on that one. Then okay. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to draw a cartoon of this. <laughs> I like him. I feel a plushy, a plushy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. Although I think you might be more right. It is Cyclops hairless, shark. so it's kind of a skinhead. That's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of racist things about. I'm frankly, I'm glad it was killed. It's <laughs> not out there. This is the Nuremberg Shark Trial. Perhaps or... this was the. <laughs> Perhaps this fisherman went back in time to kill the mother shark so that it could get the albino because it oh, knew it would grow yeah. up to be a yeah. shark. Everything comes back to Doctor Who with you. What is up with that? <laughs> He's like, I can't go far back enough in time to get Hitler, but I'm going to get Hitler shark. Well, speaking of gross things in the sea. I have some parasites follow-ups. Oh, oh boy. More right. reasons not to enter the ocean. Sacculina carcini is a parasitic barnacle which uses crabs as hosts. It begins life as a free-swimming larva and whose females are first to infiltrate a crab. A female larva will swim until it finds a potential host, at which point it moves along the larger crustacean's body until it finds a joint, which is a chink in the otherwise impenetrable exoskeleton. Uh-huh. Then it thrusts a kind of hollow dagger into the crab and injects itself in the form of a cellular blob into the crab. Okay. Is anyone else getting turned on or is it just me? (laughs) Sluicing through the dagger and leaving behind a husk. Sluicing yet again. It's one of our all-time favorite words. Uh, It is a damn good word. We decided that nothing good can be construed from the word sluice or sluicing. That, really? Yeah. We couldn't come up with an example. Have you ever had a positive sleuthing. sleuthing experience? <laughs> well. Ian, this is the question. Geez, okay. Well, I grew up in Burlington, Ontario. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a big sleuthing community there. <laughs> Montreal is against it because of the Catholicism. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll give it some thought, fellas. Okay, yeah. sure. well, surely you experimented with some sleuthing when you were a teenager. <laughs> well, of, course, of course you I mean, did. We all did. <laughs> yeah. Was it a good experience? Yeah, exactly. Is that where you take a straw and you stab yourself really <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a sluice box. That's that's oh, turning yeah, yeah, your yeah. testicles into a sluice, sluice box. box. That is a completely Nash. different thing. Once inside, the jelly-like sacculina mm. starts to take over. Yeah. She grows roots, quote-unquote, that extend to every part of the crab's body, wrapping around its eye stalks and deep into its legs and arms. The female feeds and grows until it emerges as a sac on the underside of the crab's rear thorax, uh-huh. precisely where the crab's eggs would normally be incubated. Or if it were like a mammal where its balls would be. Yes. <laughs> like it looks like it's got crab balls. Crab balls. Oh, <laughs> delicious. I could go for some yeah. crab balls. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Yeah. Does Burnaby have good crab balls? Mm. Oh, yeah, the best crab balls. <laughs> oh, it said that on the sign coming into town. That's right. <laughs> Welcome to Burnaby, home of the world's best crab balls. <laughs> Well, traditionally, they're steamed. I like them deep fried. Well, you, have you ever cook them in their own sluice? <laughs> That's nice. The presence of the sacculina results in the crab being reduced to a vehicle for the parasitic barnacle. The energy the crab would use for reproducing is commandeered by the parasites, as are its actions. It won't molt, grow reproductive organs, or attempt to reproduce. Rather than waste nutrients on itself, a host crab will hobble along and continue to look for food, with which to feed its parasite master. So you're saying it's living on crabs' sexual uh, uh, energy? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Pretty much. This yeah. is like Tantric Crab for Evil. Tonight, on a very special episode of Tantric Crab for Evil. <laughs> 
In male crabs, the parasite creates a hormonal imbalance sterilizing the crab and changing the bodily layout to resemble a female appearance, widening and flattening its abdomen, and changing its behavior, in some cases even performing female reproductive gestures. It makes transsexual crabs. Correct. What is a female crab sexual gesture? Let me get to that. Oh, sorry. Oh, it involves like pincers, like castanets. Like you draw them in like flamenco dancers, right? Parasitized crabs reproduce the actions done by normal female crabs in taking care of their own eggs. But because the barnacle sits exactly where the brood pouch normally would be, mm-hmm. the actions are done to the parasite's benefits. Oh, I love Both- that sitcom, The Brood Pouch, from the 80s. <laughs> the yeah. Alan Thicke. Uh, it was great in that. <laughs> Both males and females will clean the saccolina bulge as larvae grow, eject them as they would eggs, and wave their claws in the water to help them spread out. Oh, so they use them to spread more spores. Exactly. Right. That is the female reproductive behavior. So what you're saying is the ocean is evil yes. and must be destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we're working towards that. Yeah. There's nothing good in the ocean. The only good thing in the ocean are dolphins, and they just want to rape you. Like, that's the best thing in the ocean, and it will, given a chance, you know, and then everything else from that point on is even is more and more seven layers of hell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I concur. I'm all for going to the moon where there's no freaking water. Yeah. You and Newt Gingrich. Well, that remains to be seen, my friend. <laughs> oh, damn it, you're right. It's probably full of moon parasites <laughs> that want to like get on my sexual energy. <laughs> Did you see Apollo 18? Is that about sexual energy? Uh, wait, moon parasites. You know, we're, is we're, it? Okay, sorry. We're going to get up to the moon and we're going to see the monolith and it's going to have crab balls in the bottom. <laughs> and it's going to be waving its monolith arms and spreading spores and we're going to get infected. <laughs> and that's it. It's the doom of mankind. It's going to be space crab balls spores. Mm-hmm. Let's not go to the moon either. Crabs getting infected with a parasite. There's a switch, eh? Yeah, huh? Oh, I get you, because, uh, yeah, I know, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Though, to be fair, when you get to something like a crab, you know, I mean, if it's a parasite in a person, you're like, ooh, but, like, you know, a crab's pretty gross, too. It's gross on gross <laughs> action. If you got to be a parasite, if a parasite's got to go somewhere, then go to that. Do that business. It's gross on gross violence. Yeah, a crab's got a horrible life. A crab's never going to be happy. It might as well have its sexual you know, feeling sucked away and been turned into a lady. Snakes. Snakes. Sick and tired of these motherfucking snakes in this motherfucking podcast. Oh, that does not stop getting funny. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a snake story, don't you, Ian? Do I? Oh, yeah. Well, well when I was a kid, like, I remember we used to uh, we used to go swimming, and then you would uh, afterwards change in the change room, and we would have snakes show up. This was in Montreal. And they would always say to us kids, oh, don't worry about those snakes. They're fine. And, in, and, and then later I found out they were not fine. They were just horribly deadly, deadly snakes, but they didn't want to scare the children. What and, deadly snakes would these be? Um, I, the, bitey, killy snakes, okay. I think they were called. <laughs> but the parents killer. thought, like, oh, we shouldn't panic the kids. Right. So we'll just let them think these kids. So we played with the damn things when the parents weren't around, nice. which is just bad. I just want to say bad advice for parents. Like, let kids know what will kill you. <laughs> but that was all steamy. So they like to come in and hang out oh, nice. in the shower like, hey, a snake. It's fun. Yeah. So they would also uh, let you play with boiling water and yep. firecrackers you know, yeah. at yep. close range. So your parents were more worried about you being worried about dangerous things than informing you about well, dangerous this things. Was, Is that they, what you're saying? They here? just didn't want to be their parents. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll just tangent real quick and say I had an uncle and he was missing about three fingers on his hand. And he, he, he lost them in a shop accident and he had this real dodgy shop in his basement. And we used to play in this basement uh, all the time because we were told 
told, you know, they didn't want to worry us. And they said, oh, he lost them in the prickle bush outside. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, that's adorable. So we so we never went outside. We just went, we got to stay away from those fucking bushes. They're going, can you swear on this podcast? Yeah, oh, absolutely. yeah. Oh, these fucking bushes. So we went in the basement and we're playing with power tools. We're having power tool fights with jigsaws. Nice. And we're like, that's how we lost them. I don't remember this Dr. Spock book. I don't remember <laughs> the don't worry, be happy philosophy of child rearing. Yeah, I do not remember this. This is like the Eastern Canadian version of Sparta. <laughs> yes. You, know, you don't throw them to so. the wolves, you throw them in the tool shed with a bunch of plugs. Yeah. And snakes. Well, it was also like Hercules. You leave a baby with all the snakes <laughs> yeah, and he exactly. battles them, and that's how you know the baby uh, will be a, a demigod. comedian. That's right. An improver. <laughs> that's yeah. right, because you need a lot of like snake handling. If Absolutely. he survives this, he will go on to write so many Simpsons comics. <laughs> that's right. If you survive this, you'll be able to do Fort McMurray. <laughs> Well, in the news for snakes, February 2012. <laughs> oh, the recent news. The Delhi police busted a gang of snake smugglers and, reco- and recovered four cobras and about a half liter of venom after a tip-off from NGO People for Animals. Hold on. A Delhi police? Like, like as in... D-E-L-H-I. Oh, not, oh, not, not New York also. Delhi. Not, not no. Jewish Delhi police. Hey, what's in that matzah? <laughs> Look, we got this loss. No time for backup on that brisket. According to police, the venom extracted from these snakes was to be used in high-end raves planned for Valentine's Day in and around the national capital. The drug is processed into pills called K-72 and K-76. What's going on with K-73 to 75? I'm not sure. (laughs) Mm. Those ones will kill you. So far, the snake smuggling for skins or species value was common. However, smuggling cobras for venom meant for raves has alarmed the police. (laughs) They've arrested two alleged smugglers and booked them for illegally carrying cobras. According to police, venom and snake bites are performed by drug addicts in raves these days. They suspected that the four cobras were being smuggled to bite junkies. What? Although that seems... Ridiculous. This what? Well, that's why we have the safe cobra exchange program in Vancouver. <laughs> you know, you don't know if your cobra's clean. You got to come yes, in. They right. will. They will sterilize swab. It. They'll things. sterilize it. They'll give you a mongoose uh, just in case the cobra goes a little nuts. You can like yeah. use the mongoose. Yeah. And a lot of people object to it as the fifth pillar, but I think it makes sense. And that's really where the mongoose problem came from, <laughs> because they weren't man- properly managing the mongooses, and then we had to get the lions. Exactly. And we had to get the elephants. Oi. Cobras, which are accorded the highly endangered tag under the Wildlife Act, are killed in large numbers and their venom is smuggled to Delhi to be used in rape parties for doping purposes. To extract a half liter of venom, as many as 100 snakes have to be killed. Is there any science actually backing the fact that snake venom gets you high? People are getting high. That's all the science we need, my friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they're probably lacing the snake venom with, like, ecstasy or, 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 or methamphetamine or something. Yeah. Like, also, just... I, I haven't been young for a long time. But uh, do young people still have sex? Because have that <laughs> instead. That's... No. You know Talk about do? snake handling. Just do that. Instead of instead of sex or during sex, they just fling venom at each other. Or have sex with a cobra in the bed. And it adds an element oh, of danger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can only get it hard when there's a snake in the bed. <laughs> there's a cobra. No, when there's two cobras in the bed, mine and that one. <laughs> and that's how you know you're done. It's <laughs> when that sound comes out of you. <laughs> While party drugs like ecstasy typically cost 2,000 to 5,000 rupees, that's $40 to $100 mm-hmm. per pill in India, a pinch of K72 or K76 can set you back as many as 20,000 to 25,000 rupees. 
Do your math, Joe. <laughs> I, sorry, I was just laughing at how much they were paying for ecstasy. <laughs> this will be easy. 5,000 rupees is $100. 25,000 rupees is... $500. So $400 to $500. How much is a safe snake bite? Like, I, I don't mean money-wise. You mean I wrapped mean, in a condom? I mean, like, how... <laughs> At least with a pill, you you know you're getting X amount of, hopefully, the drug that you're paying right. for. How long do you let the snake inject venom into you before it's bad? When we originally did the snakes episode, we had a bunch of, we read a bunch of anecdotal stories about people getting bitten by snakes and what it felt like. Right, I don't on remember, the snake bite forums on, or whatever it was. Exactly. Yeah. I don't remember any of them going, oh, dude, I was so high. high. <laughs> <laughs> I felt this, like, euphoric rush before. I didn't have to have a lot of morphine afterwards. <laughs> before my arms started tingling my heart started to palpitate and the burning sensation in my groin and all the rest of that stuff. Like, <laughs> and then my limbs started to waste away. Yeah. yeah, like who got bitten by a snake and went, play some loud music, let's dance. And it's like, yes, this is the combo. Should we drain the venom? Nope, just let me dance it out. I'm going to dance it dance out. That. Dance Oompa, that toxin Oompa, away. Oompa, Oompa. If Hollywood has taught me anything, that's how you cure a snake bite. <laughs> All maybe right. maybe it got started, somebody got bit on the dick, and ravers had to suck the poison out, and they just thought they would try to repeat that. Once again, if that's happening, you don't need the snake venom. Well, you need the excuse to get them down there to start. <laughs> yeah, but you well, don't you need the just, real cobra. You just yeah. say you it You just happened. have a rubber cobra yeah, if you actually need to show it, the proof. Just shake the rubber cobra. This thing just bit, bit me by... in my pants. <laughs> that is a really good line. Look, I've <laughs> tasted real venom penis before, and this is not venom penis. You're fooling me. Oh, you're done. <laughs> really, twice in that amount of time. Good for you. Same story. He is drinking a lot of juice. <laughs> or sluice. You have a tornado story, do you? I just saw one. Like, in oh. back, back east, we saw a lot of tornadoes, yeah. You didn't see any houses get demolished under the fury of a tornado? Uh, if it makes the story better, sure. But no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm right. sorry. Fair no, we, see, we saw a lot of, like, you, you go out driving, and then in the distance, you see a tornado. And it's, it's, it's sort of like when you hear a fire alarm in your apartment building, and you yeah. go, like, maybe we should do something about this. And then when you see other people running, then you go, yeah, now. And then we all okay. run, yeah. It's creepy, though. It's like, uh, it's it's like it does feel like there's death on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And if it notices you, it'll come and get it's you. It's like and the glaring eye of, eye of Sauron. Exactly. Yeah. And then it'll just come for you, and there's nothing you can do. So what are you going to do? You can't run from a tornado. Well, you can try. Can you? Let's do it. <laughs> I will meet you it's on the prairie. Tornado prairies. challenge. That's right. Tornado challenge. It's not, it's not like running from a bear, though. It's not like, hey, I only have to run faster than that guy. No, it can get both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Your appetite is insatiable. <laughs> Well, my friend had a theory, which was like, if you just stay in the eye of the tornado always, right. you'll be fine. And you got to just have something that like lets you know. Like, it'd be nice if you had an app that yeah, let you know, yeah, yeah. eye of the tornado, yes, you, you are, are here. Currently. Keep moving along with yeah. it, and you'll be Move fine. in this direction. Now, That's be right. aware that to get to the eye, <laughs> yes. you have to pass through the big whirling Well, the challenge is to what have a little trap door. In right. the, uh, wait for the tornado to go over above you and then pop out and then move along with the tornado. And just stand in the middle of the eye. I am in the eye of a tornado. Fear my destruction. Well, that's when you get to be a dick to other people and that's like right. go around like there's big guys that would normally intimidate you and just like, hey, why don't you come fight me if you're yeah, not such right. a pussy? Come on in. I have the tornado. I'm waiting here, motherfucker. Let's go for it. Like, oh, if you weren't in the tornado, buddy. Like, yeah, but I am in the tornado. Well, I got to move along. Excuse me. Rise it up. Back on of street took my chances I have tornado <laughs> oh that's for sure <laughs> I, have, 
I thought he was going somewhere too. I didn't know where he was going. I was like, well, how is this? I was just I along for the ride. Yeah, we were in the eye of that bit. <laughs> we're like, nothing's happening, but should, I'm sure there'll be some action. I should just jumped to the chorus instead of starting. At no, the no, no. We needed the setup. And you got the water. It, it kind of did. All right, let's talk about tentacles. Ooh. I have an item from 2011 October, Colorado. Long before whales, the oceans of Earth were roamed by a very different kind of air-breathing leviathan. Snaggletooth ichthyosaurs, larger than school buses, swam at the top of the Triassic period ocean food chain. Okay. But Holyoke College paleontologist Mark McMiniman thinks there was an even larger and more cunning sea monster that preyed on ichthyosaurs, a kraken of mythological proportions. Oh, yeah? The evidence is at Berlin Ichthyosaur State Park in Nevada, where the remains of nine forty-five foot that's 14-meter, ichthyosaurs can be found. These were the Triassic counterparts to today's giant squid-eating sperm whales. Right? You with me okay. so far? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. But the fossils at the Nevada site have a long history of perplexing researchers, including the world's expert on the site, the late Charles Lewis Camp of UC Berkeley, who puzzled over these fossils in the 1950s. Camp's interpretation was that the fossils probably represented death by an accidental stranding or from a toxic plankton bloom. Call back to the dinosaurs episode? Uh, you may have mentioned we, that. Or bacteria. We, yeah, I think it was bacteria. Yeah, because yeah. it was a okay. yeah, toxic plankton But bloom. no one had ever been able to prove that the beast died in shallow water. In fact, more recent work on the rocks around the fossils suggested it was a deep water environment, which makes neatly arranged carcasses even more mysterious. Uh-huh. McMiniman stated, It was a very odd configuration of bones. <laughs> the, different degrees, <laughs> the different degrees of etching on the bones <laughs> suggested that the ichthyosaurs were not all killed and buried at the same time. It also looked like the bones had been purposefully rearranged. That got him thinking about a particular modern predator that is known for just this sort of intelligent manipulation of bones. Modern octopus will do this. I think that these things were captured by an ancient, very large sort of octopus, like the Kraken of mythology, and taken to the middle, which is the refuse pile, where the cephalopod would take them apart. So a giant-sized, prehistoric octopus, octopus yeah. killing ichthyosaurs and taking them back to the lair to strip the bones. That's the theory. I like the, oh. I like the, I like the name Modern Octopus. <laughs> I would subscribe to that magazine. Modern <laughs> Octopus. In the fossil bed, some of the ichthyosaur vertebral discs are arranged in curious linear, linear patterns with almost geometric regularity. The proposed Triassic Kraken which could have been the most intelligent invertebrate ever, arranged the vertebral discs in double-line patterns with individual pieces nesting in a fitted fashion as if they were part of the puzzle. Cue picture. Okay. so Only experts would know what that would mean. Yeah, so, so are we suggesting it's not just a prehistoric giant octopus that captured ichthyosaurs, but it was an artist? Yes, I think that's, okay. that's what's going on. So right. is this little U that they've got in the middle, that is the standard all, size of a doorway? It's a horseshoe. <laughs> no, that it's was, a horseshoe. That was the copyright. They were so advanced back there, they went, I've got to register this yeah, that's right. and copyright it. I don't want other octopuses stealing my art. That's yeah. right. In fact, the U, stands, the U stands for octopus, his artist name. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. His pseudonym, right? But could an octopus really have taken out such a huge swimming predatory reptiles? No one would have believed such a tale until the staff of the Seattle Aquarium set up a video camera at night a few years ago to find out what was killing the sharks in one of their large tanks. 
what they were shocked to discover was that a large octopus had they had in the same tank was the culprit. And we talked about this on the Tentacles episode, as I recall. We did indeed. And the octopus still beat the rap. <laughs> it was so. so smart. It represented itself at that trial. <laughs> right. If the tentacle don't fit, you must acquit. Octopus, yeah. did you or did you not? Where were you on the date of Octopus calendar? He only lived for four years, so. Oh, he, what his name was Octopus J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the end of this story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will say, I will say. Uh, of course, octopuses are mostly soft-bodied and don't fossilize well. Only their beaks or mouth parts are hard, and the chances of these being preserved nearby are very low. That means the evidence for the murderous kraken is circumstantial, which may leave some scientists rather skeptical. As they should be. Mm-hmm. It's possible that this is the explanation. I mean, you know, yeah. could just stand by for further news or not news. Could just well, develop it. I think the most important thing is how can this be turned into Japanese pornography? Because anything to do with octopi, there's got to be an angle. So we're going to think see of how many Japanese women a giant kraken could satisfy. Yeah, we're going to be seeing the pornography parody of this, and instead of bones being strewn, it's going to be panties and bras <laughs> as he right. grabs the women and strips all their clothes off. I'm pretty sure Giant Crack In is an onomatopoeia oh, for Japanese pornography. That's right. It's an onomatopoeia. I'm and pretty the, sure. And but it's an English onomatopoeia. Yeah. <laughs> now, it sounds like this guy's OCD. Like, he, he can't he yeah, eats yeah, and yeah. it's like, I shouldn't have eaten that. I'm so fat. I'm going to put these here just to remind me. <laughs> yeah. Don't eat Don't eat the whole dinosaur again. And just put them in line. Shame yourself. And he does it again. It's like, yeah. oh, I just hate myself so much. It's a vicious Kraken circle. Oh, where's the Ice Age to kill me? Please <laughs> save me from myself. <laughs> Speaking of octopus sex... Speaking of... Scientists have identified another mishap that can result from sex in the dark after filming creatures that live in the deeps of the Pacific Ocean. Okay. So they're filming the deep water darkness for... Try and catch fish and other creatures having sex. I'm not sure why they're down there, but this is what happened. <laughs> it's someone's <Okay. laughs> fetish, man. Whatever floats your boat, as they say. Yeah. Rule 34, It's the man. official submersible from uh, krakensex.com. I think okay. this is the kind of thing that, like, James Cameron goes down and goes, like, and, and his friends go, we'll come down with you. It's like, no, I'll take some time alone. <laughs> Just some time alone. Are you sure, James, you want your time alone down there? Yep. What do you watch when you're down there? Nothing. I'm good. Okay. Just practicing my decompression. <laughs> James Cameron sleeps with the fishes. Footage from remote-controlled submersibles revealed that male deep-sea squid struggle to distinguish between potential mates and members of the same sex in the dimly lit waters. <laughs> okay. But instead of developing keener senses to help find a partner, the male of the species has adopted a sexual strategy to suit the conditions it mates with any deep-sea squid it comes across. Okay. So that's right. like squid college. Kind yeah. of. Researchers blame bad light, similar male and female body size, and the rarity of encounters for the squid's indiscriminate behavior, which leaves its mark on the bodies of unsuspecting males in the form of spent sperm sacks. <laughs> Sound familiar, Kevin? Uh, it doesn't sound familiar, but the evidence would suggest I should be familiar. What's the exchange rate on a sperm sack <laughs> when you spend them? Hank Jan Hoving. Hank Jan. That's this person's name. Hank Dash Jan. Hank Jan. Hank Jan Hoving. They're both members of the Avengers. Sorry, I had to throw that nerdy <laughs> thing in. <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp, just yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. A marine biologist at the Monterey 
Bay Aquarium Research Institute in California said that wasting sperm was apparently less costly for the males than honing their ability to spot females. Is that co- is that what you call it? Wasting sperm? <laughs> Sound familiar, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like that scientist is a Catholic or something. This all sounds like the 80s to me. Every <laughs> yeah. element of this, oh, man, yeah, I didn't know you were a dude. You know, it's just – and after, after the first five or six times, he knows. He knows. He just can't admit it to himself. It was so yeah. dark. That's and right. And the pressure was so high. That's right. <laughs> it's never a waste of a sperm sack. <laughs> His team found evidence of the squid's shot-in-the-dark approach to sex when they examined screen grabs <laughs> – from video recorded at depths of 400 to 800 meters in the submarine canyon off the coast of California. To their surprise, as many males as females carried spent sperm sacks on their bodies. Spent sperm sacks. Spent sperm sacks. Spent sperm sacks. Spent sperm sacks. A sure sign that males had attempted to mate with them. The scientists claim the behavior exemplifies the live fast and die young life strategy of many cephalopods. Yeah, cephalopods. It's like jail down there. It's like prison yard don't bend over in the shower well it's hard it's hard when you've got a couple of spent sperm sacks on you (laughs) to just like just to just go what'd you do tonight oh just hanging out really because you seem (laughs) to be covered in spent sperm sacks well you know i got kind of a shot in the dark approach well you know it only exacerbates it too because another male sees one go by and it's like that one's covered in sperm sacks must be a lady a pretty lady Yeah, exactly. Well, who's a bigger perv? Those guys are the ones watching it in the dark and <laughs> filming true. it. That's true. Well, I was yeah, just—they do the forensic examination. They're like, "There's more than one kind of sperm sack here." This is James Cameron's sperm sack. How did that get out here? <laughs> I was just thinking that the reason that we they're can tell all it from the long dramatic pause—they're they're all in the deep sea because they're trying to keep it on the down low. Oh, yeah. what happens in the ocean? Am I right, fellas? All right, tentacles. Item number three. Three tentacles? Yes. I hope we have eight of these items. <laughs> this comes from uh, io9 and uh, Keith Veronese via our good uh, friend and listener, Banks. Banks! Let's time travel back to the Pacific Northwest circa 1960. The circa 1960. In octopus wrestling, points are awarded to divers based on the weight of the octopi wrangled to the surface, <laughs> along with bonuses accrued for skipping the use of breathing equipment. Nice. When did we start octopus wrestling? And I, when did we stop? <laughs> That's the bigger question. This is the 60s when we had a surplus of men. <laughs> and the true. smart ones made up a sport to get rid of some of the dumb ones. This is between wars. This is what happened to <laughs> America right. in between wars. It's just like you had World War World War II, okay, the Korean War. Then and the guys were just like, something before Vietnam kicks in. I don't know. I want to just like, he really wanted to have sex with the octopus. Let's be honest. Things yeah. happen in the dark that stay in the dark. Sperm sacks end up in places. But, no. you know, you say wrestling, quote, unquote. Yeah, 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 yeah this yeah. is the first one. They're like, dude, what were you doing down there with that octopus? Uh, wrestling it? Yeah, because if you get caught, like, I mean, you know, I mean, guys. Yeah. You get caught with a fella. You're all oiled up. Stuff's going on. On. What do you say you were doing? You got your snorkel. Wrestling. <laughs> you were wrestling. And it happens in the ocean as well. Just like, I was wrestling the octopus, and who's yeah. going to call you on it? Yeah. We, wa- should, we should start a competition. We should have some championships. That's yeah. what we should do. Hey, fellas. Uh, wink, I can wink, wrestle, nudge, nudge. I can wrestle an octopus every year. <laughs> this championship was created just to cover up the one guy. 
What do you mean the one guy? <laughs> Again, we're between wars. Guys have energy. They got to do something. Yeah. He's the one guy who got caught. Yeah. yeah, this is before free love. You know, everyone... Stop. A man has needs. Uh-huh. Multiple armed needs. And God supplied the ocean for our needs. That's true. A report from the November 1957 edition of the Toledo Blade details a gathering of 200 people to watch an octopus wrestling event <laughs> in the Puget Sound near Tacoma, Washington. How good of a spectator sport is that? (laughs) Once again, television wasn't that popular at (laughs) that time. Like, there's a lot. This is just. This could never happen again. You need a perfect guys between wars. TV's not so good. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you can't come out as gay. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to go and you're going to go. You know, to have some octopus yeah, fun. Yeah. Just uh, you know, rolling the uh... rolling in the deep, as yeah. they say, yeah. in the muck. Teams of three unarmed skin divers competed to garner points based on the use of snorkels versus breathing tanks. They even called them skin divers. Yeah. (laughs) And the final weight of octopi wrestled to the surface. A team from Portland, Oregon won the contest, hauling in an 80-pound octopus in the process. Holy Christ. They were later married. (laughs) In Europe, where they're cool about it. (laughs) Giant Pacific octopi are rather timid and not at all aggressive unless provoked, with most cases of provocation ending with the octopus fleeing. I'm I'm pretty sure this counts as provocation. Octopus wrestling was a popular pursuit in the Puget Sound over the next several years, with the World Octopus Wrestling Championship held there in 1963. And we have a picture of this. Uh, we will obviously post this yeah. on uh, the website, CausticSodaPodcast.com. Over 5,000 locals visited Titlow Beach <laughs> to watch the festivities. That's not funny. Octopus wrestling isn't so much wrestling per se. It's more akin to sticking your hand into a dark <laughs> cavern mm-hmm. and yes. ripping an octopus out. <laughs> right. Divers yeah. stick their appendages in holes <laughs> right. along rocks in the ocean. Looking for the bulbous head of an octopus. Well, the coral uh-huh. reef is nature's glory hole. We can all admit that. <laughs> Once found, the divers continue pulling until the suction created by the octopus's tentacles mm. is released, allowing the humans to bring the octopus to the surface. Some divers noted a popping sound <clears throat> as the war with the aquatic beast neared an end. It didn't Um, come from the octopus. Once the tentacles are released from the rocky den, it is easy to bring an octopus to the surface due to the extreme decrease in pressure and its negative impact on the cephalopod. (laughs) Negative impact on the cephalopod. Yeah, it's dead. Yeah. Octopus wrestling is now illegal in the state of Washington. (laughs) Octopus wrestling is still practiced in some circles, including the zany realm of Japanese game shows. Exactly. Asked and answered, Your Honor. (laughs) (laughs) Just had that undertone. Like, I guarantee everybody's watching this who discovered it even in the era going, there's something creepy about these dudes. There's something wrong with these guys who actually want to engage in this behavior. Well, it's always bad when you hear in some circles. If there's ever any (laughs) sentence that begins with in some circles, people enjoy, get out of those circles. Yeah. That's how that TV show Taboo got started. I don't know that show. I don't know either. I I hear it's enjoyed in some circles. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go to psychotherapy. The Glore Psychiatric Museum, formerly known as Missouri State Lunatic Asylum Number no. Two, I love it when they put they the try harder. <laughs> takes its name from one George Glore, who in the 1960s put his patients slash inmates at one of the state hospital, uh, 
to work building full-size replicas of some of the most horrific psychiatric practices from the last few centuries. So the inmates slash patients themselves mm-hmm. built the models or mm-hmm. statuary mm-hmm. depicting mm-hmm. terrible psychiatric practices. Mm-hmm. Many of which was discussed in our episode, yes. psychotherapy. Uh-huh. And then the doctor said, now aren't you glad we don't do that? <laughs> you got it pretty good. So keep working. The collection now fills four floors. Dioramas span the history of treatment for mental illness, witch burnings, devil stompings, the Bath of Surprise, a oh. gallows-like platform that dumped a patient into icy water. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's only a surprise once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a working model of O'Halloran's Swing, in which strapped-in patients spun at up to 100 RPMs. Holy shit. Yeah, that's what a swingers club was back then. <laughs> oh, Halloran. Yeah, and they called those ladies spinners. Patients could spend up to six months in the tranquilizer chair on display. It was invented by Benjamin Rush, the father of American psychiatry, quote-unquote, a signer of the Declaration of Independence and a big believer in leeches and bleeding. The belief at the time was that madness was an arterial disease and inflammation of the brain. And the patient combining tranquilizing chair was supposed to control the flow of blood toward the brain and by lessening muscular action or reducing motor activity, reduce the force and frequency of the pulse, the madness pulse. And we have a photo of that on the wiki as well. The chair. Oh, it's like a sensory deprivation thing. Kind of. Yeah. Oh, that's horrifying. This is torture. Well, yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> why? Why put the... So you take a crazy person, you start torturing them. Oh, yeah. That's going to cure them. The hat looks like a mosque. So they put their heads in a tiny mosque, uh, and then what happens? They find God and calm down? I don't know. <laughs> That's uh, an interesting idea. I like the, I, well, I think I know, generally they wish they were not there. That's no, what happens. No, I get that. But I like the idea of a very small church that you don't make the person go to church. You bring a tiny church, church to them. and put, them on, put the church on their head. I went to church today for 14 hours. Yeah. I was strapped in a chair at the time. I, I find that convenient. I could do that at home. I could do a lot of self introspection yeah mm-hmm. think about where you are and why you're crazy and just get over it the museum has a reproduction of russia's bleeding knife that was distributed to promote a drug manufacturer they were recalled after a patient grabbed one off his psychiatrist's desk and stabbed him to death <laughs> now is that called a bleeding knife because it's used to make people bleed because that's kind of what most uh, knives yeah. do or is it called a bleeding knife because it just bleeds on its own <laughs> I think probably it has a ferrule in the middle, maybe, if I'm, if, if I, again, going back to our swords episode, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you yeah. would have a that little uh, divot in the middle of the swords, the blood would come out that easier. That would enhance bleeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a doctor would yeah. need that, because they're always stabbing people yeah. and leaving them in well, to staunch the blood <laughs> flow. They're called enhanced bleeding techniques, <laughs> and they're totally signed off on by the government. One fellow stuffed 525 disjointed notes into a working television set in a ward. Found by a repairman in 1971, many of the scraps appeared to be answers to questions the patient had been asked by psychiatrists over the years to determine his mental state. If only they'd looked in the television. The patient had all this paperwork? Yeah, the patient was writing down the answers to the psychiatrist's questions and putting them in the television. Okay, Okay. did you think the television was the psychiatrist? H. H. (laughs) Anyone remember that? Sesame Street skit. Yeah, like vaguely. Ernie and Bert Bert is watching TV, but it's on the the, H channel. Right, and and Bert has the bleeding knife. I remember that. H. And Ernie was strapped into the mosque on his And then he turns off the TV. Oh, here's your problem, Bert. There's a hamburger in here. There's a hamburger in your television set. (laughs) 
I do not remember this. Wow. <laughs> there's a horse in here. Oh, there's a horse in your TV. Here's the problem, Bert. Sesame Street preparing kids for the harsh realities of the world. Here you go, Bert. There's some heroin in here. <laughs> so he took off all the H objects. Hey, here's your problem, Bert. You got hookers in your TV. And then uh, he's the Holocaust in your TV, Bert. <laughs> H H H. It's like the Hypnotoad channel, really. Yeah. My personal favorite is the display of stomach contents of a particularly disturbed inmate. In 1929, a patient with proclivity for swallowing odd objects became acutely ill and was rushed to surgery. During the emergency procedure, 1,446 objects, including 453 nails, 409 pins, 63 buttons, 42 screws, five thimbles, and three salt shaker tops were removed from her intestinal tract. They didn't have to count them. She was constantly telling them exactly how many were in there. <laughs> Feel them over inside and over me. Yeah. Wow. How do you even swallow nails and screws? You think they'd get stuck in your esophagus well, at some point. That's probably why she didn't pass them. Oh. Like a network of a lattice of sharp things keeping other things yeah. going through. Bummed yeah, definitely up. 453 nails, 409 <laughs> pins, 63 buttons, 42 screws, 5 thimbles, 3 salt shaker tops. Where was she? Okay, uh, so this is in the asylum. I assume right. she's eating these. Are the walls falling down? Because yeah, that's like, a lot of load-bearing screws. That's a seriously good point. How do you get your hands on 1,440 sharp objects in an insane asylum? Yeah. Well, there's one maintenance guy. Where do my screws keep going? <laughs> I'm just going to leave my tub of screws and nails right outside this cell. Now, I just have a bigger question about this, all these horrific things. Did this any of this ever work? Well, it kept everybody amused. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. All right. I'm just like, it's just weird. You think like a hospital, like maybe at one point, these horrific, horrific, horrific things, the bleeding knife went, yeah, it did work. You know, or like, or do they just keep moving on to the next horror show? People were very calm after being bled out. Yeah, that's true. They were like, you couldn't really. You seem rage. a little excited. Perhaps a bleeding will calm yeah. you down. A well, bit. that didn't work. How about the nipple drill? Did it work? I don't know. Who cares? This you is know. science, people. That's right. Put Only this, one way to find out. Put this mosque on his head and see if he calms down. That's right. Put a goldfish up his ass. Look, it's a make work project. So these items were made into a mosaic. And, of course, we will put the photograph on oh. CausticSodaPodcast.com. Oh, what? Wait, who, what? who made a mosaic out of it? As mentioned at the beginning of this article, the... Uh, oh, this is the Glore Museum mosaic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these, another uh, the patients inmate. Who are put, yeah, other inmates are putting these art objects together from horrible, horrible tragedy. Now, I assume that she was dead by this point. That and is, she did not survive the operation. Oh, tragically. good. Oh, it was an operation. It wasn't just like she ate, had some like prune juice or X-lax one day, and then all of a sudden, it was she was like a nail gun. <laughs> <laughs> it will just aim her at a construction project. Yeah, that's like, right. You know, I mean, take, great. Takes you punch chances. her in the stomach. Yeah, it takes your chances. Oy. It's wrong in so many levels. And that's why we're here. <laughs>
Call back to the feces episode in the news. November 2011. A wildlife expert in China is attempting to launch the world's most expensive tea. You said this was about feces. Yeah, is this, wait, is this going to be like a Kopi Luwak and thing? Now, and now you're talking about tea. The most expensive tea. Can we just skip this? <laughs> Using panda feces oh, to fertilize the brew. Anne Yashi is a college lecturer at the Sinchuan University, believes the tea, which is fertilized with panda droppings, could prevent cancer uh-huh. and fetch a price of up to 50,000 uh, British pounds where, where does the prevent per cancer? kilo. Where does the prevent cancer thing come in? Like, she's just saying that to, like, to sell it, right? Yeah, this this also belongs on another episode. Follow-up. Yeah. Quackery episode? <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, two follow-ups in one. Yanshi believes the rich aromas from the special blend will make it a favorite <gasps> among coinosaurs. Why They're a Spanish? Spanish? I know, it's a Spanish panda? <laughs> oh, little Ricardo Montalban came in there. Okay, uh-huh. just, to, just to sell it. They called him the Spanish Panda. That is true. Uh, that was his nickname. In the furry circle that he ran in. Mm-hmm. The man was constantly wearing makeup to cover the black eyes he had yeah. all the time. Pandas have a very poor digestive system and only absorb, this is a quote from uh, Anyashi, and only absorb about 30% of everything they eat. That means their excrement is rich in fibers and nutrients. Much like mulch would be if you just didn't (laughs) feed it to the panda? It has a mature nutty taste and a very distinctive aroma while it's brewing. A mature... Guys, a very distinctive aroma. (laughs) You know what? I think I'll take the cancer. (laughs) He also believes there are serious health benefits to the drink. Quote, just like green tea, bamboo contains an element that can prevent cancer and enhance green tea's anti-cancer effects if it is used as fertilizer tea. Note, the evidence regarding the potential benefits of tea consumption in relation to cancer is inconclusive at present. <laughs> yeah. Yanchi is aiming to secure the Guinness World Record for his brew once the first batch of the blend is ready for sale. Wait, what's Assuming the, anyone buys it. I, what I know what it's for. Record? Most expensive tea. Yeah, oh, most, okay. yeah, exactly. I'm also hoping to break that record at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Now I got a question because there's there's that coffee that you poop out like there's a the Kobe Luwak coffee, Luwak right. coffee yeah. so did like the tea industry just go let's get on this shit wagon everybody because like coffee's leaving us in the dust you know what this do we is got actually this is a three in one follow up because it's also good for the food episode which is where we talked about Kobe Luwak three in one this is a three in one follow up three for done first on caustic soda yeah where's a balloon from the ceiling lever. <laughs> He has already collected around five tons of panda excrement for use in manufacturing the tea. <laughs> now, so he he's a hoarder as well. Yeah. <laughs> where is he keeping this? I assume he owns his own home because that you can't do that in a rental. <laughs> yeah. Or, Maybe no. panda droppings are really dense and five tons doesn't take up much space. That is a good point. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah, it, it actually is. One dropping just weighs five tons. <laughs> it's like the uh, the dark matter that Nibbler poops out on Futurama. Yeah. Now, do pandas get a cut of this action? Like, I get it's expensive. <laughs> do they get but, to drink the tea that they fertilize? No, I think the pandas are too smart for that. That's 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 as kind of stupid only humans can pull off. Nature does not eat its own. Well, except for dogs, cats. I stand corrected. Pandas are basically acknowledged that they're not really having sex anymore. Maybe it's because they've turned into these poop factories. They don't have time for sex any longer because this guy's going around just and yeah, harvesting. She is collecting all the pandas. Yeah, and yeah. breaking them up. Yeah, you, can, no, you pandas are about to have sex. Feeding them. Stop ex- that. Feeding them X lax and, oh. and nobody feels sexy anymore. Oh, I see. Right? You know. Well, who can get in the mood with a guy collecting your shit over <laughs> and like making a cup of tea and watching you then like go? And you can't you, well, the, unless you're German. But I don't think many pandas are. 
<laughs> Clearly the panda was Spanish. We heard the panda's <laughs> voice earlier. Hola, I am from China. <laughs> it's a shame that the China, doing a Chinese accent was it just basically sounds racist, no matter no matter how complimentary or whatever you may be. I have some Chinese be. friends who do excellent Chinese accents, actually. <laughs> it still sounds... I think everyone in China is, sounds racist doing a Chinese <laughs> accent. And I wish they do Spanish like you did. I thank you for that, sir. You are welcome. Can we get Russell Peters on as a guest so that somebody can do racist accents? Mm-hmm. He's allowed, right? Seems to be that way. I don't think it's as much allowed as then you just do it. <laughs> yeah. It just yeah, happens. I, so. <laughs> I don't think you apply for the grant. And just suck it up. Suck up whatever the response is. Yeah, I think he's sucking up millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's supply and demand. Like, there's demand for it, but nobody's supplying. So he's like, right. I'm just going to step up and do it. Well, you know who I feel sorry for, sorry to tangent, is like grandparents, because they've been spewing that shit for years. <laughs> no one gives them dime one. All I they know. get is people looking at the floor at Christmas dinner. It's like, now this guy does it. And, you know, it's just, oh, it's terrible. Well, here's the plan. Person. We give all the racist grandmas and grandpas ventriloquist dummies. <laughs> And start our own comedy festival. I mean, this is the uh, this is exactly what I was going to bring up. This sounds like a great idea for a comedy festival. Just get old people to rant about other races All right, on DM, stage. I just DM'd it. It's oh, mine now. Wow, nice it. one. I also, let me just say, I really like the idea that old people would have a ventriloquist dummy, because then when their grandkids don't call, they've got someone to talk to. <laughs> what Wouldn't would... that be the saddest thing? You go to an old folks' home. They're all sitting there with little dummies just talking to them. They're like... Is it dementia? I don't know. Maybe it's an act. I don't know. What's really going to be weird is the dummy is completely cogent and talks yeah. normally. <laughs> and knows a lot of, like, hip references. Yeah. Just, like, just watch the Grammys. It's just going, you know, just saying things that are really relevant to the time and the old person. I don't know what you're talking about. You. What's up with Chris Brown getting all this forgiveness for hitting Rihanna? Yeah, so I told what? my friend, use the coaxial cable, and that's how you're going to get the better bandwidth. What are you talking about? What's a Rihanna? I just pooped myself. Oh, you make a tea out of that. <laughs> what would this comedy festival be called? Dummies and Grandmummies? Oh, I like it. Dummies and Mummies. Yeah, sure. Why not? Dummies and Mummies. Or something better. <laughs> I agree with you, sir. <laughs> I'm on board your train. Name pending. So we had an episode on explosions. And Ian, it's my understanding that you have an explosion story you'd like to share with us. Well, I, I was an extra many, many years ago on a Burt Reynolds film called Malone. Malone. Yeah, Malone. And uh, I didn't know how explosions worked. Um, So me and another dumb extra, like we didn't realize when everyone's offset and uh, maybe don't go on. So it's it's outside and we're looking and there's like a barn and it's it's fairly far away. And we're like, well, let's watch the explosion because there's going to be an explosion. So there's this giant explosion. They blow up a barn completely. Right. It's really great. And we're like, that's fantastic. And then and then what hits us is the sound wave. Right. And we're like, oh, and like you're knocked back, like almost off your feet. Like, well, that's the end of that. And then what hit us was the heat wave. Yeah. And I didn't realize that happens. And it just felt like we were being... That's what they don't show in the movies and no! TV. Yeah. Like when they're doing that cool guy walking away from explosions. Yeah. You know, yeah, one, okay, I get the sound doesn't bother you. Fair enough. But then the heat's frying you. <laughs> but yeah, it just knocked us both on our ass. We felt like we were being burned alive. And we're just like lying on the ground screaming. <laughs> just looking like the biggest pussies in the world because it was just so so far away. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the uh, image. If you look at the DVD box. Like you right. can find this movie, the explosion uh, of the barn is actually on the uh, on the cover, and it's in the trailer as well. And they had so many alarms going off too; there was no excuse. Like if we had died, yes, completely. That's exactly it. But yeah, that's why it's always bullshit when I see someone walking away from yeah, an explosion. Because yeah, yeah. you've been there. I've been there, man. <laughs> then don't watch the movie Malone; it's terrible. <laughs>
All right. Well, I have something, a follow-up on our Pride episode oh, from nice. our Seven Deadly Sins series. In the news for Pride, November 2011, Florida. Police have arrested a man for allegedly injecting cement into the rear ends of women who came looking for butt implants. <laughs> Sergeant William Bamford of the Miami Gardens Police Department said that the procedure took place in May 2010 after the as-yet-unidentified victim met with Morris to discuss the surgical enhancement. They agreed on the price of $700 for the procedure, which was intended for cosmetic purposes. What the woman got for her money was a series of injections containing a bizarre concoction of cement, superglue, mineral oil, and fix-a-flat tire inflator and sealant. What? She must have been shitting bricks after that. Am I right, guys? <laughs> the incisions were sealed with superglue, which is actually what superglue was made for. Uh-huh. Bamford said the victim was reluctant to come forward. She quickly went to two South Florida hospitals due to severe abdominal pain and infected sores on her buttocks accompanied by flu-like symptoms. Of course, because your body's freaking the fuck out. But she left each time too embarrassed to tell the doctors what she'd done. Here's the thing. Yes, Kevin. What? Like, who wants a butt implant anyway? Like, aren't most women trying to reduce the size of their butts? No. Nope. These days. Nope. Really? <laughs> Good just, Lord. Uh, just look for a bubble butt on the internet. As a result of the compound, Morris's victim was hospitalized with what police call a serious medical condition as a result of the injections. Morris also performed a similar procedure on himself. So he's just an idiot. Enough. Yeah. To his butt, though? Uh, I'm not sure about that. (laughs) Yeah. Police say Morris may have other victims that may be afraid to come forward. They urged any potential victims or anyone with more information on Morris to call Miami Gardens Police. I mean, the only thing that tempers this story at all is the fact that he also did it to himself. So it just means he's crazy is what you're saying? Yeah, he's a fucking lunatic. He didn't mean any harm. And flexible. (laughs) Yeah. No, but, like, he actually might have thought that this ridiculous compound that he'd come up with might actually work right. and do the thing that it was intended to do. So it's right. slightly better because he's not a con artist. He's yeah. just a crazy person. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. 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 I mean, would you rather have a doctor who's a con man or a madman? Yeah. <laughs> con man. <laughs> That's the answer to that question is con man. the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. Why, can't, why do you only have to be a madman? That's a good point. Yeah. Whenever you think, like, mad scientist or madman, you think, like, that's his only job. Fair enough. He could also be a con man. So I guess if you don't want to go to a hospital, what do you just take a jackhammer to your ass? Like what? What are your options yeah, for getting that out yeah, of there? Yeah. I guess like a little series of taps with a hammer. <laughs> break it up. Just to break it up. Break yeah. it up. But you know what? It's a union gig. You got to bring someone in from the union. <laughs> That's you right. can't be doing that business yourself. You got to have a hard hat, glasses. You got to get some uh, yeah, tradespeople. You need tradespeople. Looking at that Carpenter, lady, maybe a plumber. No, a mason, of course. Are you, oh. are you thinking snake it? Is that your thoughts? That's, that's get get the rooter in there. Yeah. The rooter you get a rooter in yeah. there? That's a possibility. Or maybe just get one of those circular sanders and just, like, grind it into the shape you like. That is interesting. Mm. My, hello, Michelangelo. Yeah, a little sculptor. <laughs> you, for a construction worker, this has to be his ultimate fantasy, though, right? You know? Like, one, they get to deal with a nice lady, and also get to do a little construction work. Show your, uh, your skill set. Mm-hmm. Craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. Follow-up for food. <laughs> Again, from Keith Verney's in io9. Romans use an artificial sweetener, sugar of lead, to sweeten and preserve their foods without taking on additional calories. Sugar of lead, likely the first artificial sweetener, is now known as the chemical compound lead acetate. And it's a poisonous crystalline solid that resembles table salt. Okay. The Romans desired heavily flavored food, like most of us do, Uh but lacked sweetening agents. Honey worked, 
but a large amount of honey was necessary to sweeten, and honey was often in short supply. Grapes, on the other hand, were plentiful 2,000 years ago in Rome. Roman winemakers found that boiling of unfermented grape juice created a sweeter liquid known as defrutum, defrutum, mm-hmm. or sapa. Defrutum is created by boiling off half the volume of wine, while sapa is the result of reduction to one-third of the original volume of wine. You oh, got so that? it's like more concentrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it? Romans used the sweeter liquids to improve the flavor of existing foods, preserve fruit, and to preserve food for Roman soldiers. However, the boiling process involved long hours and high temperatures, causing lead to seep out of the container. Oh, of course. <laughs> inadvertently, artificially sweetening the sapa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking to myself, how are we going to turn like re- grape reductions deadly? How do you turn lead into sweet, sweet gold? <laughs> <laughs> now, I've got a box of defrutum loops. Are those safe to eat? <laughs> the, with those lead... are not safe to eat, but for different reasons. All right, friend. They say it come with lead marshmallows. Are those safe to eat? <laughs> those are safe to All eat. All right. So the sweet taste is due to acetic acid in the wine converting to its hydrolyzed form, acetate. Acetate ions combined with lead cations, 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 positively charged ions, I don't know how to pronounce that, leached from the containers forming lead acetate. Winemakers chose lead containers over brass ones when they noticed the lead pots yielded a sweet, sweet flavor. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. A modern attempt to recreate the sapa using lead vessels resulted in a liquid with a lead content of 2,900 parts per billion, 1,000 times the acceptable dose in most countries. (laughs) Symptoms of lead poisoning include a metallic taste and loss of appetite, leading the patient to consume more food to overcome the poor aftertaste and absence of feeling full. Now, this is Roman times, oldie, yeah, timey yeah, yeah. Roman yeah. times. How long you live in the oldie, timey About Roman times? Like 30. 30? Yeah. yeah, so who, what's, who you, what do you care? What do you care? Just eat straight poison every day, then. Who gives a rat's ass? It's sweet, yeah. That's right. Smoke as much as you want, do as much as you want. You're going to die at 30 no. anyway. Your best case scenario. Th- this lead acetate, though, would easily shave like 18 months off of your lifestyle. Oh, and that's the sweetest, you know. And again, the autumn years. these are the guys who spend a lot time at the vomitorium so how much stays in them yeah <laughs> although we did find out that you don't actually vomit at the vomitorium the vomitorium is the exit where people vomit out into the outer area oh is that correct yeah come oh. on you theater guy the vomitorium that's, that's, that's how you exit the theater yeah through the exactly i have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> is that why people don't go to the theater <laughs> <laughs> yes i think it's one of the reasons yeah okay also, i know i know there's a certain i know there's a movie theater by my office where where it's a porno theater and there's a certain exit you go out of if you want to jack off is that similar to a vomitorium exit <laughs> yeah that's the spoogitorium is that right Name for a completely different reason yeah yeah, I'm just saying, there's two doors. Go out the one on the right. Yeah, but the crystalline lead acetate is not completely removed from modern society. The sweet taste accompanied by some lipsticks is due to lead acetate. Oh. Yeah. So donate your lipstick. Keep that in mind, little, Kevin. little touch of Rome there. I'll keep that in mind the next time I apply my lipstick. What do you got for funerals? Our almost Dr. Jenna Capic sent in a uh, pretty cool way to get disposed of once you're dead. Uh, she says it's not being used in the funeral industry yet, but her vote for the way to go once she's done is alkaline hydrolysis. The way to be disposed Just of? To, yeah, way to be disposed of. Not to die, but yeah, once okay. she's dead, get rid of it this way. She says, who needs to be buried in a box when you can be dissolved in a thick brownish goo that can very safely be poured down the drain? They basically put you in a pressure cooker at only about 150 degrees 
degrees Celsius oh, uh, with some lye. And then, hey, that's caustic soda. That is caustic soda. And then rinse you right away. Alkaline uh, hydrolysis. That's right. And she calls it, she calls what's left over goo mains. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just found the positive spin on sluice. Ah. <laughs> Sluicing your goo mains? Yeah. I can't think of anything more appealing. Yeah. I'd like to call that getting Googled. Like, I know that's already a thing, but just like, you know, it sounds fun. Just like, we're going to get Googled at the end. Yay! It's fun. And 150 degrees, that doesn't even sound bad. Like, the idea of a crematorium I never liked, because, like, what if you do still feel the pain? You yeah. don't know. No right. one knows. Right. But 150 degrees, eh. That's yeah, me. But that's a hot Montreal day. Though. What's that? There's pressure involved, though. Yeah, in is a pressure it? cooker. Uh, there is pressure in a pressure cooker. Fair enough. But it's... Remember that pressure wave from the explosion? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I didn't learn my lesson. That's a good point. <laughs> so so you're warm and being hugged. I mean, what's yeah, wrong? Yeah, being hugged in every pore of my body. <laughs> right i think what we've learned here is that some people have the capacity to learn <laughs> that would be good you know some of these are not going to work though you know i mean it's all it's going to work sometimes and then the pressure because you've used a pressure cooker and sometimes it doesn't work the lid doesn't fit properly that's right you got to take yeah. it out now it's half done and it's like Ugh, that's just that's These just goo mains are not completely goo goo mains i do like that and the problem is the house just smells of it for like weeks on end afterwards that's right, right? the dog's excited <laughs> You know, you got to give him bacon just to, like, get him to calm it's, down. Yeah, it's a crazy combination of knowing the master is there somewhere in the air, <laughs> but also smelling this amazing food that's been pressure cooked. I, I had a funeral recently uh, where was, I don't know how funerals work. Like, I haven't been to a lot of them, so I didn't know how they work. And I went to a funeral for my grandmother-in-law, and it was, oh, it was nice. It was nice because, uh, you know, there's a lot of awkwardness in the family. Uh, so we're like... Generally speaking, funeral or no? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Generally speaking, like, uh, a lot of mm, bad stuff. So we go to the funeral, and like, ah, funeral done. You know, body in the ground, nice things were said, everything's lovely. And then I hear, well, we're going to go to uh, the church. Oh, they're not religious folks. Okay, this is weird. So we're like, all right, we end up going to the church, and we all sit around, and no one knows, and no no one's leading this thing, so no one knows what to do. So we sit sort of in the churchy area, then go, this feels awkward. Right. Then we go to another room, and church folk go, do you want some beverages? Okay, what are we? Why are we here? We have no idea why we're here. We all have a hot beverage. We're like, would you like? No some? one's gonna say. Why are we here? <laughs> no, you yeah, can't. Exactly. Because it's like, mm. so we're all this drink our hot beverage, and then it was like, well, we're done now. Would you like some snacks? Ugh. Okay, yes, you're trying to be polite. Get some snacks. And then we're like, okay, now we're done. We must be done. So we're like, we get up, we leave, and then the um, basically uh, my wife's deadbeat dad uh, decides, you know what? I'm going to air every family grievance nice. possible nice. right now in front of the church. Now's the time. Now is the yeah. time. You know what? Carpe season. That's right. You know what? We're all emotionally raw. How about now we deal with everything from the last 25 years right now and, well, and this is the perfect time to rub the salt in when you're emotionally raw oh, like that beautiful it was lovely and so uh and so yeah i ended up having a screaming match with a guy i'd never met before <laughs> in front of a church as these churchgoers just came up and were politely trying to go like are you okay? Could you keep it down? We will keep it down. And then just more screaming, horrible right, screaming. Right. So, like, uh, I can never go back to that church again. I'm pretty sure that so also means you're going to hell. Is that right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Is that one of the sins? Yeah, I'm not very churchy myself. I'm not sure about the rules, but I got I to gotta sneak in suspicion. There's no arguing yeah. or discussions of heated Although, discussions that's in church. True. That is yeah. one of the But I just want to say, if you've got family problems, that's the thing. It felt like a Highlander thing. It was just like, once we're on holy ground, we cannot actually <laughs> have fisticuffs, but so we can discuss our things. <laughs> like, okay, but we can, like, argue. Did you apologize to the, to the nice church people? I 
am a worm. Well, I don't. <laughs> so you're on the blacklist. Yeah, I don't even know how. What were, you, were we supposed to drink and eat? I don't know. I don't know how things go. <laughs> Sounds very I like confusing. this whole goo idea. Get around a bath, <laughs> yeah. 150 degrees. Because again, this kind of thing would happen if it was like an Irish thing. You'd have a wake as well, right? Mm-hmm, and right. you'd have a nice Irish stew. Now, would you have two pressure cookers? Irish yeah. goo. And, and one, that's right. And one is grandma, and one is the Irish stew cooking next to it. Clearly labeled, I hope. Make sure you label them, or it's an awkward way. Why are there so many potatoes in grandma? There's too much lie in this Irish stew. (laughs) There's also a follow-up to, or I guess a special guest article on hoaxes. Can we put it that way? Sure, it's your show, however you want to put it. (laughs) Let's see how it goes, and then we can... uh, Disclaimer, that that intro may change. Yeah. (laughs) As the man having sex with an octopus said, however you want to put it. (laughs) And since you've got an improv background, please do this in rhyming couplets. Sure thing. (laughs) No, I'm not going to make you do that. Thank Christ. Uh, no, I was in uh, I was in the UK, and uh, and my wife and I were walking through a park, and there was a sign that said badgers. It was a warning sign. It said badgers, but it didn't say like uh, like badgers will attack you, or <laughs> don't said or don't hurt the badgers, or what the badgers would do, yeah, or just what... that there are no beware of badgers. No, or... just badgers. Hmm. Clearly badgers, and it's for next... better or for worse. <laughs> yeah, and it had next to a sign actually that was like two elderly people, which was supposed to be elderly people crossing the street. Watch out for them because they're slow and weird. Anyway, right. so I'm at the pub that night, and I go like, so what? What's the deal with badgers? Like, what do you do? And went, oh, okay, the thing you got to do. And I may have been hoaxed, and that's why I'm asking okay. you guys this. If okay. did I get played? Uh, they said, okay, you, if you're walking through the park, you need a big, strong stick. I'm like, oh, okay, you got to have a big, strong stick. So, so if a badger attacks you, you hit him with a stick. Oh, Lord, no, you don't do that. You could never win a fight with a badger with a stick. <laughs> oh, what do you do? Well, the badger's going to bite your leg. I'm like, this is okay. a foregone conclusion. Yeah, badger. If a badger sees you, by the time you see a badger, the badger's on your leg. So it's like <laughs> you're done. Okay, all right. So what do I do? It's the Doppler okay. effect. So yeah. then I smash the badger's head with a stick. Oh lord, no, no, that no, will no, anger no. It. that will anger it. Right. right. Uh, what you do is you uh, a badger will bite your bone until it breaks. So what you do <laughs> is you snap the stick. And the badger goes, I have completed my task. I broke the bone. My job here is done. The badger will then turn and satisfied go and high five as badger buddies in the bushes. And you're fine. Did I get hoaxed on yes, that? Okay, thank you. All right. 100% for sure. Because I think hoax. like the bad part about this too is I've just got, I've gotten rid of my only weapon. I've destroyed That's it in right. front of him. He's like, dude, that was your only chance. <laughs> Fair enough. Now you got two shorter sticks, (laughs) presumably with some jagged parts in the middle. Because I don't think a badger's mission in life is to just snap other animals' bones and then leave. leave. Like I think it has. They are very territorial. Yeah, yeah, but there's mauling. There's typically mauling. So once once you have like snapped a guy's leg. He's done. Like, he's not... He's, he's yeah, like, you would want them to run away from your territory rather than to be trapped in it, oh, crawling good point. slowly away. Good yeah. point. And then afterwards, they asked me, like, what, you don't have badgers, like, in Canada? Well, no. Well, what do you got? We got bears. And, like, bears? And that, to them, was, like, nuts that I was just making that How up. How many like, sticks do you have to carry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. For and the I, bear attack. Well, I, sa- I said to them, the thing you're supposed to do with a bear is if a bear is attacking you, don't play dead because a bear doesn't care. Like, what you do is you shit your pants <laughs> or you start talking about religion to him and try to talk to him about Jesus and he gets so embarrassed he like walks away talk to him about a relationship you had that's Im- because bears embarrass very easily mm-hmm. <laughs> it's they in have. their name no the thing you do with a bear is you take always take a pomegranate and a corkscrew with you okay and you make him a drink that's uh <laughs> I don't want to so spoil the ending. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Next, just have one with you. 
And next I, time a bear attacks, you see what happens. I'm so stealing that next time I start a joke and don't have an answer. I'm like an ending. I'm just going to be like, I don't want to spoil the ending, though. <laughs> That's for next week, folks. <laughs> it's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while he was receiving maggot therapy. To comment on episodes, make a donation, see show notes, links, and videos, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. I wasn't ready. I'm Torn Atkinson. <laughs> <laughs>